0: It's a beautiful song, Love as I Love. Well, go ahead and find your Bibles, and we're going to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 13, Acts chapter number 13 today. And I must admit, I was not planning on preaching this morning, so... But I didn't have to look far for my theme, at least I knew what would be direction I would be going in, and that is missions. So um, today we're going to be in Acts 13, I thought an appropriate place to be, as we are going to consider today really the start of what we call missions or missionaries, worldwide evangelism, the uttermost parts of the world, the regions beyond it has about a hundred different ways of saying it, but it all started right here in Acts chapter number 13 with Paul and Barnabas in the church of Antioch as they were coming to preach the gospel to the regions beyond. And in Acts 13 we read, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, and which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Druze. And they had also John to their minister when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Barjesus, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, Filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, and said, "O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all run- uh, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the wet, right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw that what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. I want to preach a message today entitled Blinded to the Mission. Blinded to the Mission. And as we discover over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to emphasize this case of missions. And as I've been doing so, as we've been doing so, I've been asking some of you, uh, what do you consider missions to be? If you haven't answered me on that question, I would be curious if some of you would put that in the comments as you're watching today. What is missions? What is missions? What's your response to that? I've gotten several good responses. I'll read a couple of them to you. If I don't get them verbatim, please forgive me. Uh, One person said, it's just simply preaching the gospel. Or some say it's just to go into foreign lands and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Some have said it's our part to tell others about Jesus. One has said it is a mission of fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ to go ye into all the world. Basically, the idea is this. It is doing kingdom work, working for God. And that whenever we say missions, we're referring to the distinct act of preaching the gospel, personally, physically, teaching the scriptures, discipling and baptizing new believers in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Praying, giving, and encouraging, and helping in either ourselves going and telling or sending others to tell them the gospel. That's a mouthful, I know. But when we say missions month, I think we can all kind of come to the understanding that we are drawing a distinct emphasis to spreading the gospel to the regions beyond, going past where we're at. That was always Paul's goal. If you can remember, uh, in the missionary journeys that he took and in his letters, he was always wanting to go further. He was wanting to go past where he was at, Achaia, Corinth, Thessalonica, Athens, Rome. He even had said to the Romans, I want to get all the way to Spain. I have this pursuit that I want to continue on. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was his hope for the Corinthians. His hope for the Corinthians in chapter number 10 of 2 Corinthians was that they would continue to persevere in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they wouldn't stop with where they're at. And I think that's the hope of any man of God, any minister of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that people would not just learn the doctrine, the teachings of the word of God, but that would actually apply those doctrines to their life and pursue to follow those doctrines. Practically, they would not just grow in faith and love, but they would also allow their faith and love to grow in their works towards one another. That is only what is natural for us that are believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't happen, if we're not practically applying the gospel to our lives, then we really have a misunderstanding of the gospel and of the doctrines of God. And when we do so, it can lead us to what I've titled our message today, Blinded to the Mission. Blinded to the Mission. Are we blinded to the mission that God has called us to? Or do we have our eyes open to the Great Commission that has so, been, so clearly been set before us by Jesus Christ to go you into all the world and to preach the gospel? And I believe today we're going to find how to do that. Now, I'm obviously stealing uh, this title from our text. And what happens here, uh, what Paul does to this one man named Alimus uh, or Elimus, the sorcerer, a.k.a. the false prophet, a.k.a. the sorcerer, a.k.a. Bar-Jesus, a.k.a. the child of devil, a.k.a. the enemy of righteousness, he calls him. And Paul is going to strike him with a miss with a blindness, And he's going to suffer a twofold blindness. Spiritually, he's blind to the gospel, and physically, he's going to become blind by the hand of Paul. But I do that here to establish a very important uh, contrast. Because in this world that we live in, there are two types of people. There are people that are blinded to the gospel, and there are people that have eyes have been opened to the gospel. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see Jesus. That's a great prayer for us, but it ought to be a great prayer for the world. Open their eyes, Lord, so that they may see Jesus. And we know that this world is blinded by their own sin. In fact, the Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But I start here because there is a distinction. There are people in the world, and sadly, there are even people in churches sometimes that resist getting out the gospel. Well, when our minds and our eyes have been opened, then number one, we'll see that we have a great need for Jesus Christ to save us. But secondly, I believe there's always a great Responsibility that is placed upon us that we see that the church needs to get the gospel out and speak about this very redemption. That's what the church has always done. The church has classically always been one that is to send out, to go, to give, to help, to encourage, to pray for missions. To evangelize the lost, to get the gospel to the regions beyond—that has always been the emphasis of the church. In fact, when the church did not do that, let me just give you a little background here. In the book of Acts, chapter number eight, you're all sitting on your couches, having a good time, and everything. You're all right. You're comfortable today. So, Acts chapter eight and verses number one, three, and four tells us that when the church did not fulfill the commission that God had called them to, that God actually sent persecution to the church. Acts one, Acts eight one says, and Saul was. Con- Consenting unto his death, that is Stephen's. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church. And in so doing, the Bible says that they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. As for Saul, the same man we're talking about here in Acts 13, that's what the gospel does. It changes a man like Saul and makes him into a great apostle, preaching the gospel to regions beyond. But whenever these people were scattered, the verse number 4 says this, therefore they were scattered abroad and listen what happens, they went everywhere preaching the word. They had finally got onto it. They got the calling. They left their place of comfort and they said, "We're going to go and we're going to preach the gospel." And that's the simple plan for every single local church is to preach the gospel. Establish churches, start new churches, train new people to get the gospel to the regions beyond, to other places. If that didn't happen, the church wouldn't exist. One of the key things for the church to exist is to continue to preach the gospel. I can prove that very easily. Look at your Bibles, Revelations chapter number 2 and 3. Where are those churches today? Ephesus, Thyatira. Where are they at? They're not there. But because they fulfilled the commission and sent people around the world preaching the gospel to other places around, guess what God did? God used that to establish other churches, to establish other churches, to establish other churches. The church is in the business of reproduction. That is the central cause that we all call missions. Reproducing. And and that doesn't matter... You know, it doesn't matter if if we're focusing on giving or if we're focusing the efforts on going or sending or praying or helping. It makes no difference. As a job for our local New Testament church, Scenic Hills Baptist Church, we ought to be earnestly supporting the efforts of missions locally and abroad. But if we're not careful, we can be blinded to this. The church at Jerusalem was. Perhaps they got too comfortable. Perhaps they were a little bit too successful, they thought. Maybe they just got caught up in busyness. The church at Ephesus, for example, they had lacked in their love for Jesus Christ. Thyatira got caught up in sin. The Colossians were in danger of being caught into some kind of angel worship. The Laodiceans had complacency. The Corinthians had fighting and bickering. There's many things that can blind us to the mission. That can blind us to getting the gospel to the regions beyond. I knew of one church. I can remember uh, that was right here in central Texas. A man suffered a very bad automobile accident and uh, because of that he, gave, uh, he, and he was able to win a lawsuit and uh, receive millions of dollars and he gave one million dollars to the church. The pastor told the people about it and they started fighting and bickering about all this money. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? And one person said this and one person said that. One day the pastor just got so tired of it. That he actually went into his office, he grabbed the checkbook, and he wrote a check out to different missionaries. Thousands and thousands of dollars until all of a sudden all the million dollars was gone, and he wrote it to all the missionaries. It caused such an upset and a stir in the church that the church disbanded and is no longer there today. Uh, My point is this, is that there are many factors that can blind us to the mission. I'm not saying that preacher was right or wrong. I'm not saying that. My point is this, is there are many things that can blind us to the mission. And so how do we not become blinded? That's how we are going to see. This is what we're going to see today in our message. There are three areas I want us to see in which will help us to not be blinded to the mission that God has called us to. Number one, I would say this. The first thing is a dedication to God. A dedication to God. A surrendering, if you will. And Dr. Atkins did a very marvelous job of this last week. And if you missed any of those messages, I hope that you'll turn tune into them and review them and listen to them. And uh, good messages on Sunday morning and Sunday night and also even for Sunday school. Go back and listen to those things again. But he did a good job in just starting us off because this is where it starts. Dedication to God. And I'm only going to deal with it in a point this morning. But that's what these men did in Acts chapter number 13, verses 1 through 3. All of these men, uh, uh, Niger and Barnabas and Saul and the rest of them, they had dedicated themselves to God. I believe that God specifically chose Paul and Barnabas to go to the regions beyond, to separate them to go to the place, just like the Holy Ghost said. But it cannot be denied that all of these men were willing and ready to go and to to be done whatever needs to be done by the Lord's bidding they were all given over to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We saw that last week with the little little boy's lunch. He was willing to give. What do you have to give to God? It may be small, but God can use it. Then we saw that also that Sunday night with the woman with the alabaster box. She gave it all to him, giving yourselves to God even as they did in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 5. And this they did not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And the point is simple and plain. Unless we are first willing to give ourselves to God, we might as well be forgetting about, I should say, we might as well forget about having our eyes open to the mission that God has called us to. Every Christian, may I encourage you, may I challenge you, that every Christian ought to know Romans 12.1. Amen? Uh, Romans 12.1 ought to be memorized by every Christian that is out there. Every member of this church ought to memorize Romans 12, 1. You say, why are you looking down? Because I don't want to get it wrong, all right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the what? Mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Listen to it. Holy, acceptable unto God. And listen to the final statement, which is your what? Say it at home, reasonable service. The word reasonable is a Greek word. Actually, uh, that is where we get our word logical. Logical. It's only logical that if God died for you, that you would give back to him yourself logical. It's your reasonable. This is the start. And this is what the whole church at Antioch was dedicated to. They relished in the calls of missions. They helped. They prayed. They participated. They fasted for this venture of missions. But let me go on because I want us to see here also, and I struggle here with this because I wanted to separate it into another point, but I think it goes very well with being dedicated to God. That being dedicated to God also means being full of the Holy Ghost, when you're fully surrendered to God, then you will see here, as in our text illustrates, that the Holy Ghost of God fills us and enables us for the ministry in which he has called us to. In fact, he is the, uh, you might call him the lead actor in all of this. You see, without the Holy Ghost, without the Holy Spirit, there is no missions, In fact, I might even say there is no mission because we are enabled by him. He is the one fulfilling. He is the one calling. He is the one separating. He is the one sending. He is the one enabling. He is the one giving the power. He is the one doing the miracles. He is the one doing the saving. It is not us. It must be through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you see that in verse number 2 where he says that the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas and Saul. And then again, you see that in verse number four in your text, where he says there, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And then again, you see that in verse number nine, when Paul uh, strikes this mist down upon uh, Bar-Jesus, when he says, then Saul being filled with the Holy Ghost, it is God doing the work, it is the Holy Spirit working through us. Without the Holy Spirit, without him, nothing gets done. Filled in our Bibles means to be controlled. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.8, it says, it tells us that be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you were at a ladies' meeting this past Tuesday, and my wife illustrated that point very well. Two, 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 glasses, of, uh, two glasses there, two mason jars, one filled with dirt and one filled with water. Whenever you're filled up with sin, when you're filled up with unrighteousness, then there's nothing to be put inside of that. But when we're emptied of self and sin, then God is able to fill us up and use us for the ministry which he has called us to. And here, if we're not dedicated to God, if we're not presenting our bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is our reasonable service, then we're not going to be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God and we'll be blinded by or excuse me, we're blinded to the mission which God has called us to. Let me give you a typical example of this. A missionary family comes in, or a work is presented, or a missionary letter is read, or an evangelist comes by, and somebody says, well, that's a great work they're doing. Well, that's really something special. I mean, they're really helping out some people over there. Well, oh, praise God for that. And they do nothing else about it. They don't give. They don't go. They don't pray. They don't sin. They don't really invest any other time, effort, or energy into anything. They just say, they applaud them. They say, oh, that's such a good job. Good job. Now, what's, what's next on the schedule? What happens next? What's for lunch? Now, see, the world applauds humanitarian efforts. The world doesn't mind it. They like that. They, 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 they're, they're happy about these things. But really, the church can become very superficial in this if we're not careful. Superficial and glib in our estimations of missions. We can look at uh, our walls on the very back here and we can say, wow, look at those missionaries. Wow, aren't we glad for we're, we're, them? Aren't, aren't we good people? I mean, $100 a month for them. Wow, this is, this is wonderful. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disparaging that at all. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that we have to be so careful. Or we can hear of a young man being called to the work and we can pat him on the back and we can say, oh, we'll be praying for you. Well, are we praying for him? Have we prayed for him? Have we asked God to help him? Look back at the people of Acts. Read their story. Look at these men traveling far and wide. Read their accounts. Read what they did. They risked all. They gave all. They prayed. Uh, they fasted. They wrote letters. They 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 helped. Take example. Take encouragement from a young, from a couple in the Bible named Aquila and Priscilla. This young couple, this, this couple, uh, we're not told in our scriptures, had any children, but nonetheless, uh, they gave themselves to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They weren't called to be ministers. They weren't called to be preachers. They weren't called to be missionaries. They weren't called to any of those kinds of things. They were just simple tent makers uh, traveling from one place to the other. But while they were traveling, while they were going, while they were moving around, what did they do? They preached the gospel. They told people about Jesus Christ. They helped out Paul tremendously in the gospel they provided a job for him they provided a place for him to stay they provided financially for him they provided for him and they encouraged him they encouraged other churches that, were, uh, that Paul had established and this is just a couple may I remind you that wasn't called to the ministry they weren't called missionaries they weren't sent out on deputation they were just people common folk that had dedicated themselves to God, living sacrifices, reasonable service. I can give you a couple other examples. Paul and Barnabas, the Bible tells us about them that these were men that hazarded their lives for God. Let me give you another example in Second Corinthians chapter number, or 1 Corinthians 16, the house of Stephanus. They had addicted themselves to the ministry, dedicated. Hazarded, addicted. Those are words that go along with this thing we call missions. Giving ourselves over. Let us not be shallow in our support. Let us not just think good for them. Let us not just go say, well, I'm glad they're doing this. Missions, listen to me, missions should change our, way of, our mission should cha- the, change the way we see our responsibility to the world around us. Why? Because of the way we see ourselves before God. It always goes back to God, folks. The way that we see our responsibility to the world around us is not just, well, they're lost and going to hell. And that is one thing to understand. But let us always place our responsibility where it really lies at. It always lies back with God. At our best, we are just unprofitable servants. At our best. So we not only see that one of the ways in which to not be blinded to the mission is to first of all dedicate ourselves to God. But secondly, I would say this, is that we must see the central theme of missions. And that is preaching the gospel. Dedicating ourselves to the gospel of God, and also preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the purpose of missions. We read that in verse number 5, whenever he says, And when they were at Salamis, not salami, okay? Uh, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. This is something that you see over and over and over and over again. They're always preaching the gospel, preaching the word, teaching the word, getting out the word. In fact, you go in your Bibles here in Acts chapter number 13 in verse number 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed and aston- was being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. At the doctrine of the Lord, the teachings of the Lord. Then again, in verse, number, in verse number 6, the Bible says that this false prophet was there here at Paphos. But there was also another man, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to what? Hear the word of God. How does somebody hear the word of God? How do they hear the word of God? By the preaching of the word of God. Romans 10:14 How shall they believe in him if they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher That's how they hear You can buy goats for impoverished people, you can build wells for people without water, you can supply food to the needy. But let us all be careful. Without the preaching of the gospel, we're not fulfilling the mission. We're not fulfilling the mission. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to be heartless or anything. I believe there is a great aspect of our theology and our thinking and our doctrine that says, you know what, there are people that are in real dire straits. There are people that have serious problems and they need help. I think there is an aspect of our teaching that should propel us to help others. Because we see people suffering We see the the calls and the curse of sin and the devil that has been brought upon people's lives and we say we want to help them. We want to alleviate the sufferings of mankind because we understand that that's good and that's helpful. But let us always understand and believe that what goes right along with that is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know of a missionary in Brazil, been serving there for many years a great missionary. And they do little clinics there on the Amazon River. They take a trip down to the Amazon, and they uh, have been doing this now for years, and as they go down the Amazon, they go to little town after little town, and as they go to little town after little town, they'll go to one place, and uh, they'll uh, give a clinic, maybe an eye clinic or an ear clinic or something else, and as they're talking to the people, they will also be uh, somebody over here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Telling people to get saved, and they've done a great job with this. They're not too overzealous in this matter. They don't have hundred people show up for the eye clinic and hundred and five people get saved. I don't. Okay, uh, they they're very helpful in this. They're they're very good in this thing. But one one story that really spoke to me about this is that Brother Sean was telling me is that one of the things that they cannot do according to the laws there in Brazil is they're not allowed to go into the bush to the Amazonian people. They're restricted in that. And the government has been very uh, wrong and obviously worldly in their thinking to not try to uh, change these people. But these people need change. They need Christ. And the only way for these Amazonian people to hear the gospel is to come into the town where, where the Sean is at. Well, on one of these occasions, uh, they were given a clinic. And uh, this young man that needed some help came into the town. He received the help that he needed, but he also heard the gospel. And if I'm not mistaken, Brother Lundy said that it wasn't the first time that he had come, but it was after maybe the second or third time that he came. And about the second or third time that he had come and he'd heard these things that had been said, he began to pick up on them and he began to ask questions. And this man, this young man was saved. And man was only a man from the jungles there. And this man actually came back the next year. And he had taken that message, that gospel message, and he himself had gone back to his tribe and told them about Jesus Christ and seen them get saved and others' lives changed for the gospel of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, my friends, that's the purpose. That's what the church is doing. It's establishing new churches, preaching the gospel, dedicated to God so that other people can be saved. Our life ought to be what Christ said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Or that we might even say that to fulfill the commission that he sent his first disciples on. In Luke 9.10, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. But understand this always, that preaching of the gospel is paramount. Without the preaching of the gospel, there is no salvation. Let us not be superficial. Let us not be blinded to the mission. Even at our own job sites and workplaces, are we preaching the gospel? Do we think to ourselves sometimes that our main idea is just to simply, well, as a Christian, I just need to be nice. I just need to be helpful. I just need to be kind. Uh, my friend, you need to be more than this. You need to be more than just kind and helpful and sincere. No, you must be sincerely, honest, and lovingly, and boldly preaching and declaring and promulgating the gospel to the regions beyond to pass your place of work and family to that lady at H-E-B, uh, to, uh, as I just held up, uh, to our little neighborhood here, Westview Estates. Let us preach the gospel. Let us continue on. One more point and then we'll finish. And that is simply this, is that if we're not going to be blinded to the mission, then we must be dedicating ourselves to God. We must be preaching the gospel. And forgive me here, I couldn't come up with another G, but except for this one. Mary, Mary, you'll like this. Exposing the gurus. What is a guru? An authority. And let me say this in closing. That one other aspect of missions that you'll always find, that's always brought up, is this exposing those false teachers. This is always the case. Jude tells us this. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that that ye Should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, for there are certain men crept in unawares. In the early church, there were already false preachers, and teachers. And you'll find this in the book of Acts everywhere. Read your missionary biographies. They're always contending with this. Everywhere they go, every land that they go, preaching the gospel, they're constantly having to unmask the false teaching. Even after the church is established, they're always having to teach and to preach the gospel and to devote time to this exercise. Read First and Second Corinthians. You'll see that Paul was always correcting false teaching in Colossians and Thessalonica and other places. Like I said, I won't spend long here. But Paul is here on the Isle of Paphos, and he has to smoke out this false prophet, Elimas. And in doing so, he strikes the man with blindness. And Paul did this many times with many signs and wonders, preaching the gospel so that it would be established and so that people would be saved. But today, the gospel and the teaching of the Bible is able to render, and listen to me, the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the word alone is able to render the false teachers of this world blind, useless, if you will, and to be much like Elimus was or Jesus who went about seeking some to lead him by the hand that's the best that this world has to offer so this is part of the mission too and let us not be afraid of it let us not be afraid to expose the false teachers second john verse number 1 chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 say this if there come any unto you that bring not this doctrine that is that jesus christ is both god and man Receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Paul said to anybody that denies the gospel, he says, let him be accursed. Exposing the gurus, the people that think they're in authority, that think they know it all. Part of the mission, part of the mission is making sure that the truth is perfectly taught. Dedicating ourselves to God, preaching the gospel, exposing the gurus. And if we ourselves are not going to be blinded to the mission that God has called us to, then we must be living dedicated, surrendered lives that are full of the Holy Ghost. We must be willing Not to just live out the gospel through our works, but to actually boldly declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins. That he was buried in a tomb and that three days later he rose again. If we're not going to be blinded to the mission, then we must be willing to expose the errors. In order that ourselves are not blinded to the mission that is set before us. Let me remind you of the mission one more time. It is this. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are the recipients of Christ's command. Let us not be lazy in it. Let us not be superficial. Let us not be ashamed. But let us all actively participate in the biblical mandate we call missions. May we give. Amen? But may we go. May we share. May we tell. May we defend. May we contend. But may we all pray for the mission to continue. Because, folks, understand, one day, one day, this church probably won't be here. But will this church be reaching out to the regions beyond so another church will be there? And another church, and another church, and another church, and another church? church. Are you blinded to the mission? Or are you serving God faithfully today in the mission He has called us to, so that God may receive eternal glory? Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Father, help us, Lord, to not be blinded to the mission that you have so clearly set before us. Help us all, God, to dedicate ourselves to you, to preach the gospel, and to not be ashamed or afraid to expose the errors that want to delude and hurt the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you. Did I, did I look at it at the end? Yeah. A little bit.